So we're just going to dive right in. We are going through the book of Matthew. Today we are in Matthew 9, verses 18 through 38. Um, oh, good. Ben is awesome. Sweet. So hear these words. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. <coughs> and when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away. For the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all the district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all the district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed uh, demon man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So um, when I was a, a junior in college at Hope College, woohoo! I um, studied abroad in Vienna, and... Um, we would do various outings throughout our time there. Uh, one of the weekends, we got to climb the Austrian Alps. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I'll never forget it. I'm not very sportsy. You can kind of look at me and tell that I'm not very sportsy. Um, but I was like super nervous and I had knots in my stomach. And kind of the days led by and the, the weekend came and we showed up. We took vans to this kind of site that you start the climb on. Um, I realized I was ready to go because there was a girl that showed up in flip-flops and I had tennis shoes on so I was a little bit better off. Um, so anyway, we started the climb and it was hard and fun and about halfway through the hike we reached the highest point of the climb. Uh, so we were about 6,000 feet uh, at the peak of this mountain. And there's this huge silver cross, Ben, I think I have, perfect, so there it is. It's a huge silver uh, cross. And it's about three feet from the side of the cliff. So you can kind of see there's a little bit of space, but not much. Um, and I remember <laughs> watching people kind of come up to the cross and taking a picture by it. Um, and I was like, you are crazy. <laughs> like, this is a straight drop. There was nothing. There wasn't even like if you fell off the cliff, a space where you might, you know, hit another cliff and make it. It was like straight down. Um, and, you know, I just remember as me and my roommates, these are the roommates that I lived with, as we were walking up to the cross, I just remember kind of closing my eyes and taking in the moment. 
um, and I was feeling the breeze uh, kind of pushing me back and forth. Um, the sun was warmer because that elevation's higher. The, there's mountains all around us, um, trees below us, and the bluest sky I've ever seen. And I just remember thinking, this is what wonder feels like. This is what it means to wonder at God's creation. And I was hit um, with this burst of questions. How did this mountain come to be? Why, am I, why is this like this? Why am I here right now? How did I get here? Where am I going next? Um, and then following that, I was hit with like a couple other questions that were a little bit more fear-based, like what if I fall off? <laughs> and would God let that happen? <laughs> and what if I misstep? What if someone else falls off and they think I pushed them? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, then I stepped over and we took this picture and I kind of snapped out of this narrative. But I've been thinking a lot about that experience and that sense of wonder. And in a lot of ways, as I've been scrolling through social media, I'm sure you have as well, everyone is kind of experiencing this sense of wonder as we enter into 2019, right? Like, there's a lot of reflections about the past year. People are reflecting that it was either a good year, a bad year, there was a lot of beautiful things, or there was a lot of terrible things. And so turning the calendar to 2019 feels like a wonder. What will this year bring? Will it bring blessing or curse? Both? Maybe more one than the other? How must we posture ourselves to be better prepared for this year? What do we need to be prepared for this year? So obviously the solution then from a lot of bloggers is to pull out your tennis shoes and hit the treadmill. That'll make your year better. Or according to Peloton, shout out to you Robert, um, it's an at-home gym solution and a subscription plan. These are the things you need to start off a better year and make a better you. And of course, my sister-in-law, when we were walking on New Year's Day, we both confessed to each other, we always convince ourselves that we're gonna start a new diet in 2019, we're probably gonna hire a physical trainer, and we're gonna walk the dog at least twice a day. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, okay, I thought you did. I thought you were making fun of me. Anyway, my point is, New Year's resolutions are not bad. But I do wonder if we can posture ourselves a little bit differently in January. And I think the place for us to look is starting right here in the middle of Matthew in chapter 9. I love how this section begins, literally interrupting Jesus as he's teaching. The ruler comes in, kneels before Jesus, and begs him to come to his home. To which Jesus replies, yes. Then we have the hemorrhaging woman seeking healing the healing of the ruler's daughter, two blind men seeking healing, and a demon-oppressed man is brought to be healed. Throughout all but one of these stories, Jesus remarks the faithfulness that each person has as they approach Jesus. And so, it would seem obvious to me that if we're going to anticipate a new year of healing and restoration and newness, this year or season should start off by talking about faithfulness. And to talk about faithfulness is to think much more about our state of being rather than our state of doing, dieting, working harder, working out more, et cetera, et cetera. So two questions. The first one is this. What do we expect from Jesus in this new year? 
In the first three healings, the healing of the hemorrhaging woman, the healing of the ruler's daughter, and the healing of the two blind men, there is a certain way that the healing is requested, and or not requested but desired in the case of the woman. We talked about it two weeks ago. It's a certain trust that what Jesus can do, Jesus will do it. For the bleeding woman, it's trust that Jesus is just so Jesus enough that merely touching the edge of his garment is enough to heal her of a 12-year affliction. For the ruler, it's enough trust that Jesus is enough Jesus enough that merely Jesus laying his hand on his dead daughter is enough to bring her back to life. And for the two blind men, it's that Jesus is enough Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of David. He is the prophet that they heard about, that they had anticipated. For them, Jesus is enough Jesus that he can make them see. And it's not lost on me that these men who believe so faithfully, who trust so faithfully in Jesus, they can't even see the man that they trust in. Talk about faith. So, friends, come back to the mountaintop with me. Just imagine again for a second. Close your eyes if you need to. Try not to fall asleep. I'll try to be more animated in my speaking. Um, imagine what the view is like from up here. Imagine the soft breeze and the gentle sun. Imagine seeing for miles. Can you feel a sense of wonder creeping into your person? Maybe it's not up here on the mountains. <laughs> Maybe it's, at the it's looking at a sun setting over the lake. Sand in your toes, stars beginning in the sky. Or maybe it's sitting next to someone that you love, snuggling with your fur baby or your babies. Friends, for me, wonder feels like possibility. Wonder feels like endless potential. And for me, wonder has a slight twinge of fear. Can this truly be possible? Can this be real? For me, wonder is the closest next feeling I have to faith. And for me, the wonder that I experience in the world taps the keg of faith in my life. Sorry for the analogy. It's all I could think of. Here's the difference between my sense of wonder and the faith of these healed people, however. We're told in verse 32 that a demon-oppressed man was brought to him, that is Jesus. For the first time in these verses, someone isn't following Jesus or kneeling before him or calling after him. This person is brought to Jesus. And Jesus also doesn't note the faithfulness of any one person in this section. And so I wonder, is it possible that this story is less about the healing of a demon-oppressed man and more about the people who are bringing the man to Jesus? I wonder if Jesus has brought this man because to heal a demon-oppressed person is impossible. And so they had heard stories, and they wanted to see for themselves, and they wondered, what is this Jesus capable of? The surprise of the crowd in verse 33 is our tell here. 
Never was anything like this seen in Israel. And so is it possible that perhaps the unmentioned folks who bring the demon-possessed man toward Jesus are not demonstrating faith at all? Cue the lack of faithfulness mentioned in this section. Is it possible that these people who bring the man to Jesus are demonstrating something differently, different entirely? They're testing Jesus. This seems to hit the nail on the head. Cue those pesky Pharisees as they walk in at verse 34, saying, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. And for the first time in the four healing stories, the shadow of doubt and insincere intentions emerges. The muster of faith within our persons is never about silencing doubt or questions, but instead, it's leaning into the light. It's choosing to trust that what we expect Jesus can do, he can and actually will do. The difference, friends, between wonder and faith is the affirmation that Christ is Lord, and the difference between trusting God and testing Jesus is the affirmation that Christ is Lord. Our friend, Frederick Dale Bruner, says, In the Gospel, faith is never general belief in the existence of God. Instead, it is getting in touch with Jesus by bringing one's major need to him with the expectation that Jesus can do miracles with it. When we choose to affirm Christ as Lord, there is an act of submission that does feel like loss. It feels scary, it feels doubtful, and it feels risky. Because it's a commitment. And a commitment feels sometimes like following someone from behind them. It sometimes feels like kneeling so low we can't see Jesus' face. It sometimes feels like touching the very back of a garment rather than his physical presence. And yet, when we choose to affirm Jesus, we are choosing to believe in the truth that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. When we affirm the lordship of Christ, we are leaning into the possibility that this world is so much more than we see. As you begin thinking about this new year, discerning what the next faithful steps look like for you in developing or uncovering a faithful state of being, can we start by practicing our sense of wonder? Because this story is not just a simple narrative. This story calms storms, heals 12-year afflictions. It opens our eyes to what God is actually doing in the world. God is making all things new. Amen? When you think about your life and the year ahead of you, do you believe that Jesus is actually making all things new? What are your expectations of Jesus in this new year today? And where are we looking for Jesus? In all of these healings that Jesus performs, they're often off to the side, in a private room or on the way out. We see the bleeding woman is literally healed from behind Jesus as she touches the fringe of his garment. The ruler's daughter is healed in the privacy of a room after Jesus kicks everyone else out. And the two blind men, though they call, Jesus, call to Jesus from outside, 
are healed inside the house. And the demon-oppressed man is healed as they, Jesus and the disciples, were going away. There is nothing center stage about these stories, friends. Often I picture Jesus surrounded by a large crowd, a spotlight beaming on him from the heavens. As he's healing people left and right, they're being slain in the spirit. But here, it's practically in an alley of one of the streets that they're walking through. So this begs a question for us today. Where is it that we're expecting to find Jesus? As believers in the gospel, the good news, we believe is that Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is the Messiah, has died and risen already. And in the Apostles' Creed, we confess that Christ has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus is no longer physically walking this earth. Instead, he sits on the throne beside the Father. And yet, I love these words from Augustine. He says, if there is faith in us, Christ is in us. For what else, says the apostle, that Christ may dwell in your hearts of faith. Therefore, thy faith in Christ is Christ himself in thy heart. In the Old Testament, when Abraham is called by God from a dream, he responds with the Hebrew phrase, hineni. Several other times throughout the, uh, throughout the Old Testament, when someone is called, they respond, Hineni, which means, yes, Lord. In this New Testament text, when Jesus asks the two blind men if they believe he can do what they think he can do, they say, yes, Lord. And so, friends, when we affirm Christ with a yes and surrender our hearts with the word Lord, we are promised to find Christ dwelling within us. Oops, sorry. And this is not an act that will be center stage for the whole world to see. Instead, it's the mighty miracle that alters the reality of our particular lives. It's the mighty miracle that changes our current reality, flips it on its head, and we experience life afresh and anew. So I'm not sure if you spent time watching any holiday movies this Christmas. Ron and I watched several. Um, and when I was reflecting on this particular section of um, Matthew, I started thinking about the Polar Express. And I don't, if you're familiar with it, great. If you're not familiar with it, um, it's a story about a boy who's losing his faith in Santa. He's getting older and he's starting to believe the narrative that his parents are Santa, which we all know isn't true. <laughs> And um, he is brought aboard in the middle of the night, the Polar Express, to which he's taken up north to the North Pole. Um, and he meets some new friends, and they get to the North Pole, and there's a lot of things that happen in between. I'm not going to ruin those for you. But the very end scene is what I want us to think about. The boy has spent time wandering with some other friends at the North Pole through Santa's workshop. They've encountered some elves. They get stuck in Santa's bag as it's being loaded onto the um, sleigh. And then they're pulled out of the bag and set down to be at the Christmas celebration, awaiting Santa's entrance to step onto his sleigh and deliver all the presents to the children. So there's this moment that the little boy has. He's literally seen everything. I mean, he's been all over the North Pole. And he's standing there. 
and he, he can't see Santa, and so he's super frustrated. So he looks over to the sleigh because he knows Santa's going to get on his sleigh. And he sees the reindeer. And attached to the reindeer is this harness, these silver bells. And he sees them bouncing up and down, but he hears nothing. And so we're going to watch the scene that happens right after he looks at the sleigh. We're going to try. We're being real techie. So can you see why I wanted us to watch that scene? <laughs> He's literally seen all there is to see at the North Pole, or at the North Pole, but he doesn't believe in Santa still until he's willing to take a risk, right? He, he doesn't see Santa, he can't see him, and finally he shakes that little bell after saying that he believes and he can hear the bell ring. Sometimes all it takes is a yes, Lord. Sometimes all it takes is a yes, Lord. And sometimes, all it takes is a yes, Lord. Friends, this is my New Year's challenge to us as a church, looking to be the body of Christ in the city of Grand Rapids. What might happen if we choose to explore faith through a lens of possibility over skepticism? What might happen if we choose to explore faith through a yes, Lord, you can mentality. Might we be awestruck? So how might we start to do this? What does it mean for us to lay down the noise of crash diets, a desire to look a certain way, to be more successful, to be more Instagram worthy? For us, it's choosing to turn inward. Instead, it, it looks like choosing silence. For me, that means maybe less Netflix, but you know what you need to do. We need to explore the voice of God through Scripture. Because as we tune our ears to the voice of God in Scripture, our ears start to be more sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us each and every day. And finally, I truly believe we need to strengthen our sense of wonder at the beauty of the people and the city around us. Because as we explore wonder, we're brought into a place of deeper reflection that calls us to respond, yes, Lord. Friends, what do you need to do? How do you need to change your expectations? Where are you looking for Jesus? May we spend the next few days and weeks exploring the wonder of Christ that is deeper than we can imagine. May you accept the challenge of this great faith adventure, and may we be on this adventure together, knowing that it's messy and bumpy and we'll brush shoulders along the way. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.